everybody and welcome to episode five of the Russian and Ranting podcast. My name is Joseph and I'm delighted to be joined by Scott and Alex once again. Unfortunately, we're not with Ollie tonight as he's got some technical issues, but fingers crossed they'll all be solved and he'll be back for the next episode. How are we all doing, guys? Doing really good, thanks, um, Joseph, yourself? Yeah, not too bad. How are you, Alex? Yeah, good, thanks, Joseph. I'm a bit starstruck at the moment, though. Uh, I've got a minor celebrity in our midst here. Have you been asked for any autographs today? <laughs> no, no, you, you've you got the wrong J. John Ward and John Gregory, they're the stars of the show. <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, um, yesterday, the, um, at the time of recording, the um, club appeared um, as part of a documentary for BT Sport called Hours, um, which was um, goes through, obviously, behind the scenes at the club and looks at various clubs throughout non-league. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to catch it, I'd recommend just keeping an eye out on BC Sport and taking a look. How did your involvement come about in that, Joseph? Um, well, I was just at work and I had a had a message from, from John Ward and he was saying just how BT have contacted Diamonds. You know, they've obviously looked into our history and they thought, we'd, you know, we'd be a good segment in the documentary. So he messaged me asking if I wanted to be involved and no, I I, I took the invitation and it, and it was really good. It was a good day. It was middle of November. It felt really weird because I think we were in the second lockdown then and be, be, being at the football ground then was just a really weird experience, especially with nobody there. But no, the, the guys at BT, they were fantastic and it's a, it's, it's a really good documentary. One of the best documentaries I've seen for a long, long time, not just because of our segment, but for the whole thing. So it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it was really good. I've only watched about half of it. Um, I caught I caught up with it all all the way up to the diamonds bit this morning. But there's the the bit of the start with Berry Fan was really struck a chord with me. It was brilliant, brilliant way to start the documentary, and everything that I've seen so far has been brilliant. So looking forward to watching the rest of it. Definitely. Well, tonight we've got another exciting guest for the pod. Uh, diamonds midfielder Fernando Beltoxtel joins us for this latest episode. Uh, Fernando, of course, is in his second spell at the club. He was with us in 2017 but left to go to university uh he's had some experience playing up north and he re-signed with the diamonds last summer i'm looking forward to this should be a really interesting conversation what do you guys think yeah definitely i think it's i think it's an interesting one in comparison to tom because tom um has obviously um gone through his career whereas fernando is still sort of like starting his career so should be very interesting to see a sort of like a young footballer's um, career in non-league and especially from starting quite young and where he's been on his travels. He hasn't made many appearances for us, but uh, because of, I think because of the two spells that he's had with the club, he feels quite ingrained in the club. Yes. Um, but yeah, definitely really uh, going to be really interesting to hear what he's got to say. And one thing that's really struck me um, in, the, in the times I've spoken to Fernando, he's really got a passion for the club. You know, he loves playing for Rushton. He loves playing at Hayden Road. And I'm looking forward to seeing him tonight and, and how it's going to go down. Okay, well, I think it's worth mentioning this, guys. Um, since we recorded the uh, last episode of the uh, the podcast, we unfortunately had the sad news of uh, Mal Swindon's passing. Uh, Mal, of course, was a long-time photographer at the club, both for Russian Diamonds Football Club and for AFC R&D. Just a word on, on Mal and uh, the legacy he's left. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's safe to say that Mal is um, a club legend, um, both the old and the new club. Um, on you know, off the pitch or even on the pitch, actually, arguably, um, his pictures and that. If you think about it, there's a lot of um, moments in the club, both clubs' histories, which um, his photos, images have captured um, those moments, um, and it's 
it does certainly feel like um, a fabric um, of the club has been lost actually from his passing. So, as a club, we send our condolences to his family. Yeah, nicely put, Scott. Mal's face was kind of synonymous with both clubs, really. He was always around the ground, somebody that you recognise as kind of a Diamonds fan. And whenever you, you lose someone that, that kind of close to the, to the club, it's obviously horrible. And, and as Scott says, uh, pass on our condolences to, to Mal's family. Just worth mentioning, actually, um, if you get the chance, it's on the um, club website um, under the um, funeral details. That but, um, Mal's brother, Kevin, has actually set up a um, Just Giving page um, you know, just as a donation to worthy causes, including the um, Warwickshire and Northampton Air Ambulance, um, the Royal, uh, the RNNI, and the um, Royal Papworth Hospital Charity. So, if you wish to make a donation to those causes, causes um, there is a um, just given page on that which you can do so. Yeah, definitely. And I'd just like to echo the message that both of you have said and uh, send all my condolences to uh, the family and friends. Of Mal. Uh, just moving on to some other club news. Um, Prince Mutsunguma has recently left the club. He signed for Waterford on a professional contract. What do we make, what do we make of that, guys? I think it actually. I think it gives us as a club. Um, it's a good positive for us as a club because it just shows that um, professional clubs are looking at our players at this level, which um, is a positive in, of the work which we do. Um, here, Prince hasn't featured. It gives you an idea, sort of like some of the quality we do, we can attract. Um, so I do think that would put us in good stead in the future and obviously wish him all the best in, it, in his career in Ireland and because he's in the Irish top flight, hopefully can, we can see him in the Europa League if he's that lucky. Bit of a shame, isn't it, from from a selfish point of view because he, he looked yes. so good in pre-season. thought it was uh, fascinating to see how we, would, how we would get on for us this season. Obviously, we were denied that because of everything that's happened, but you can't really stand in the way of a player. Um, getting a professional contract somewhere in Ireland or, or whatever. Um, and as Scott said, he could end up playing in the Europa League or something like that. That'd be a nice link back to the club. But yeah, g- good luck to him. Uh, just a shame that we didn't get to see more of him in the diamond shirt. Over the last few days, if you remember, you may have seen um, there's a membership survey on the club website. Uh, you may be aware that the club have recently launched its strategic plan uh, and the club where the club sets out its ambitions for the next five years. Uh, Scott, can you tell us a bit more about that and um, and what that survey entails? Yeah, sure. It's just um, it's to go with people's thoughts on the membership, what they feel, how what they value, what they value about it, what they would like to would like to see improved, and really just to, you know just getting people's thoughts because at the end of the day, um, we are a members club. It is important to um, that we do look after our members. So if you are a member, I if you should have received an email um, with a link to it. If you haven't, um, it is in the members area um, of the website. So if you log into there. There is a link through which you can go to and then you can actually fill it in. Admittedly, it is quite lengthy, but we're hoping actually that from this it will give us some feedback and then it will allow us to tailor our membership offering and what we do as a club um, going forward. We've had news um, from the FA over the last few days that uh, the season from steps three to six is to be curtailed. Um, I should point out that um, it's not yet known um, what the outcome of the league is going to be, whether that's null and void or carrying the table over. None of that's been decided yet. Um, Scott, can you give us more details on this? Yeah, pretty much. We we know as much as we do what's in the public domain at this point. It's um, really just waiting for final ratification. So we know what definitively is going to happen, what the end result, whether that's whatever. You know, they agree as the outcome. Obviously, the season's now curtailed, as we said, or effectively over. Um, so we haven't forgotten about um, season tickets, which might obviously be on people's minds. 
from the two matches which um, were postponed earlier in the season. Um, but we once we know what the official outcome is from the leagues, once we've got that um, confirmation, then you will probably see things uh, moving into action because um, then we can sort of like um, implement our contingency plans around those two things. Definitely. And of course, you can keep up to date with all of the latest league news on the club website. We'll get it out to you as soon as we can. I think that's it for the news. I think that we've just about rounded everything up there. Uh, and without any further ado, let's dive into our pod with Fernando Beltoxtel. Preston looking for an immediate response. Long from Rankin. It was a touch in the channel and missed it. has levelled things for Rushton. All the shot left for just one minute. And Andy Burgess has made it 1-1. Well, I talked about Andy Burgess, about one of those players who just might be able to pull something out of the hat. And he's gone and done that. It's the first time a long throw's really worked. Worked for him this evening, Rushton. It's just a slip-up by Gip. And the, the defence in the end rolls through the defender's leg. Burgess just sitting behind him. Just goes the opposite side of Gira. Fernando, welcome to the Russian Ranting Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you on. Do you, do you listen to many podcasts at all, or are you more of a, a TV or series kind of guy? You know what? I'm normally kind of um, a series kind of guy. Like, I think I've seen pretty much everything on Netflix. I've seen most of the things on Amazon Prime now. Um, seen seen a lot of series, but I, I've um, watched one podcast that I've watched a lot. Have you seen the Pete Crouch one? I've been meaning to... Do you know what? I actually never have. I've been meaning to download it and listen to it at work. Yeah, um, so... Uh, it's the only podcast that I've sort of kept up with, and I, I think I just because just I love Peter Crouch. To be fair, I think he's just I think he's class. So I'm definitely gonna have to download that for yeah, sure. It's a good one. I don't really watch I don't really um watch or listen to podcasts too much, but definitely the Peter Crouch one, I would recommend. Great stuff. Well, let's take you back to your childhood. How how was growing up for you, and and what made you get into football as a young lad? Yeah, I think it was sort of my my, my dad. To be fair, and my mum. Um, they're both massive Liverpool fans. My dad's a scouser. Um, doesn't really sound scouse, but. Yeah, both support Liverpool, so obviously Liverpool and football just always had that strong affiliation and I think I've always just sort of watched football, played football from the age of four or five years old and yeah, I think it started from my dad really, to be fair. Did you have any but, other hobbies growing up or were you you know solely driven on your football? Nah, I mean, it was always football for me, to be honest. To be honest. Like, I mean, they got me into a bit like tennis and like karate and that when you're younger. Like, they, like most parents do, do you know what I mean? Like, they, they try to test the waters a bit of everything, get into swimming lessons, get into tennis and mm. everything. But football was always what I was interested in, to be fair. There was nothing else that I was interested in. Like, my mum would always be like, you have to read some books, reading's good for you. But I'd always get like the match, the match tacks and the football magazines. Like, that, that's the only thing I'd be reading, everything about football sort of thing. So, yeah, just football for me. Is that where the Peter Crouch connection comes from? Is that what the player, when your favourite player when he was at Liverpool? Or is there any sort of other players? You know what? He actually wasn't. My, I actually support Arsenal, funnily enough. Um, so my favourite player is actually Henri, but my second favourite player is Gerard. Well, I'd probably say Gerard and Henri are probably, probably equal, but I don't really know why I really, really like Peter Crouch. I just, I just guess, like, when I was younger, I used to fancy um, Abby Clancy, I think it was. So <laughs> I just thought... Just sort of like Peter Crouch on there. I just thought he was sort of the man, and like I just think like whenever you hear him on like a game game of football, like his punditry is always quite good. And yeah, I've always just sort of liked Peter Crouch. To be fair, you sound like you're English, kind of born and bred. But um, is it your mum? Is it your mum Mexican? I can't. Yeah, remember. no, my mum is Mexican. Um, my dad's a Scouse. Um, but yeah, but I've sort of lived everywhere. To be fair, um, 
I used to live in New York for four or five years. I lived in Beijing for five years. So, yeah, it's been about. Do you get to go to Mexico much? Um, I haven't recently, um, just because of obviously what was happening with the coronavirus. And I've been at university, so it's been quite difficult to sort of do that. But before, when I was younger, I used to go every two, three years. It's, yeah, I would definitely recommend it to anyone that wants to go. Very, extremely lovely place. So Mexico didn't try and pick you up for their under-18s when you were younger? <laughs> oh, I wish to be fair. I honestly, I wish. I'd love to play for my country, whether it be England or Mexico. That would be a dream. But no, I wish. Is there any sort of like football connections with Mexico? Because um, I just remember from my job when I was in Germany, I ended up picking up a team called Armenia Bielefeld. Yeah. Just got to the um, Bundesliga. But um, is there any sort of like a Mexican team you used to follow with? You follow yeah. all, like family connections? Yeah, so my... Um, my parent, well, my grandparents that live there are from the capital, so Mexico City, and like the main team there is a team called Club America. Um, oh, yeah. And like when you know when the, when you're younger, there would be like summer camps of football, so you like have like Northampton summer camp where like kids could go to or Arsenal summer camp. I went to the summer camp called well, it was a Club America summer camp for like three four weeks, and I was over there. Obviously, we'd stay there for long periods, do the summer camp there, and um, I did get asked to come back and trial for the for the actual academy. I think it was under the under the 12s or 11s at the time but obviously we were only there for holiday so we never I couldn't really stay so I said maybe next year if I come back but obviously things changed and I don't think the following year I went back but I nearly had a trial for Club America well I did get offered one but obviously due to only being there on holiday never really got to get the opportunity. Is that the first time you sort of like any sort of experience with a with a football club you know in terms of you know training and learning the game and that sort of thing or were there any other sort of clubs you started off with early on? Oh, no. I, I, when I was younger, I, so when I came back from New York about at the age of five, um, I moved back to here to Milton Keynes. Um, I was just playing locally and then I got picked up by Luton and actually signed for Luton. Um, and just before I, I think I was there for about six six months to a year. And then after six months to a year, my dad actually had to relocate to Beijing. So unfortunately that got, got cut short and then obviously moved to China, Beijing and sort of played my football there. Um, for a while, and um, sort of moved back here. Uh, 2012, I think it was. Um, I think I was yeah, 12, 13 years old, and sort of played here locally for a while, and then got picked up by Norwich and had like a, I'd say like a year trial there. Like must have been the world's longest trial in the world, from about February to about August. Um, they said six weeks originally, but ended up being about six months. And then signed for Cambridge United and got released and. Stop, went went into non-league football, I guess. Fernando, who did you um, play for when you were over in China? There was a setup called Sports Beijing, where like say all the expats that from France or from the UK or from America or from Spain, wherever you might be, all the foreigners. Um, there was like a little local team there um, called um, Sports Beijing, and um, yeah, I played for them, and we played against all the Chinese academies there. Um, and yeah, played it when when went to like little tours to we went like football tours to Bangkok, football tours to Singapore, to Kuala Lumpur. So played played abroad, played like all these Arsenal academies. Like do you have like an Arsenal academy in Singapore or a Chelsea academy abroad? We played a lot of them type of academies. It was a good experience because a lot of these um Asian boys are the the boys from China are very technically they're very technically tidy. So I think playing against them also makes you technically better as well. Whereas like if you're English or from Europe, you tend to be like faster, stronger, physically more astute, whereas they're more like technically tidier at that age, I guess. So bringing it back to England, you yeah. first signed for the Diamonds in, I believe it was 2017. Yeah. What was it about the club that attracted you to sign? 
So I think um, I had a recommend once I got released from Cambridge. There was a one of the scouts there sort of gave me um, Pete's number. So I thought, you know, I've just been released. I need to sort of make my way into non-league, and I dropped dropped Pete's Pete's number. And uh, obviously, he got back to me right away. Like, yeah, we'd love to have you. I think it was pre-season, and he was like, yeah, got a pre-season game coming up against Corby. Um, if you want to come down and try to get you some minutes and have a look at you, I was like, you know what, I'd love to come down. Um, Obviously, I made my debut against Corby. I think I played with Ben Farrell midfield. Me and Ben Farrell midfield, my first my first preseason game, and he sort of guided me. I think it was like must have been. Obviously, I hadn't played a lot of non-league games at the time. I think it was 18, 17, 18. and I think I must have impressed Pete enough to sort of join. And I remember playing at one of the home games, first game of the season that season against Hanley. I think it was Hanley Town, and I'm seeing six hundred fans that, at the ground, and I'm thinking, wow, like I'm used to playing in front of ten coaches and parents like 10 20 parents and then i go to playing from 10 20 parents to 600 fans at the, at the diamonds ground like sort of chanting and all that and everyone was so like lovely and welcoming i didn't really expect it like i, I, was, I was quite like it's quite daunting i think as a young lad going into non-league but when you've got um players like you have do at diamonds are so welcoming and fans and everyone at the staff and my everyone my mum made friends with and yeah i think after seeing the fans and that and seeing the fan base and the the, the pitch the quality of the pitch and the quality of the players, like you sort of, you sort of grow to it, I guess. You sort of touched on it there, but what's it like playing at Hayden Road, and, and what was your first impressions of it? I mean, we've, we've spoken in interviews prior to the lockdown, and it, it's a place that you really enjoy playing at. Oh yeah, I mean, we not not just me, but I think most of the most of the team love playing at Hayden. Road. I know it's like the attendance have been cut a little short during COVID. Like I think it's four fifty or whatever. But when you get a full when you get a full ground rocking at Hayden Road or when on the away days, I remember in my first season, I think it was Alfred and away. We had like a cup run in the FA Cup, and we were Alfred and away that season. I was on the bench. I didn't. I, I think I came on last ten fifteen minutes, but that's one. That's one of the days I remember. I think so. Wow, like this is what it means to people, to the fans, the players. Like the atmosphere was incredible. Like I just think so. Like if this is what non-leagues like, then I just and this is what the Russians like, then I just want to be a part of it, sort of thing. And obviously. Cut, got cut short, but I guess I'm back for round two and hopefully can make more memories, I guess. Just going back to your um, your days in Cambridge Youth, I just know, noticed that you um, got to the FA Youth Cup fourth round with them at one point. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Because that sounds quite impressive, obviously, for you know, yeah. quite early in your career. It was, um, I'll probably say that's one of the highlights of my career, to be fair. We played um, Brighton in the FA Youth Cup fourth round. Um, uh, played at the Amex, which is I mean, yeah. playing at Prem, well, I think they were championship at the time, but like pushing for promotion to the Premier League, like playing at a top-class championship side and the facilities and the stadium was just incredible. Like, obviously, first round, you don't really expect to get too far as a, as a League 2 academy side, but we ended up playing, I think it was a non-league, I think it was Hazen Yedin, I think it was in the first round, uh, beat them 5-0. Second round, played Millwall. Um, obviously, they were championship at the time. Uh, we were League 2. I think so they're Cat 2 academy, we were Cat 3 and... We didn't. We weren't expecting anything. Beat them, um, and then went on to play Bournemouth, who were obviously prem team at the time. And we thought, oh wow, we're going to get sort of a hammer here. But one nil down, seventy minutes gone on the clock, uh, everyone's heads down, and we managed to pull it back two one. And obviously, beating a prem side is something to be um, something to be proud of, I guess. And yeah, we were the furthest youth team to make it uh, to make it um, to Cambridge United, which was a good achievement, I guess, and a proud one on a personal level. Yeah, just on that, it's interesting. You said you played at the Amex. Were those sort of great games at, um, or at the training facilities or third-party grounds, or was it 
you know, pretty much at the first team ground, so did you play at um, Bournemouth's ground and, you know, at the Den? and play- Yeah, so, I mean, I would have loved to play at the Den and I would have loved to play at the Vitality, but unfortunately we had three home draws. I mean, I don't mind it, but when when you're, when you get to play at, at, um, at the Abbey Stadium, which is what Cambridge ground is, when you get to play there quite a few times, you sort of want to get an away, like an away day to like the Den or the Vitality, but we didn't quite get that. But then obviously, fourth round, we ended up going to the Amex, which was fantastic. Had a nice little weekend away in Brighton and yeah, it was, it was a good time. Good time. It's funny actually you mentioned that because I think me and Alex, um, when we talk about like getting draws in the FA Cup and that, um, we always prefer to get like an away or the FA Trophy. We always prefer to get like an away tie. Yeah. Um, I always think it's a bit interesting um, to go places you don't normally get to go to. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just experience a bit different bit of football, especially if it's a team in a different league. Mm. I think, like for example, I think a couple of years ago when we played South Shields, is yeah, it's a couple of years ago now. Um, that was quite exciting because I think that I think we had memories of when we went to Ashington in our first season, which is yeah. that area, which um, really proved to be quite an epic trip actually to go all the way up to Newcastle and. Or was around, that um, yeah. was that two years ago when you played South? Was that two years ago that one? Yeah, that was um, well. Actually, it was last. It was technically last season, but because obviously the seasons have all been messed Got up. Cut. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, November twenty nineteen. Yeah, so, yeah, around then. I mean, I I remember with Basewood we played at South Shields away, and um, I mean, I thought some Diamonds had a lot of support, but you go to South Shields and they get what like one thousand five hundred fans. That's a that's another good atmosphere to go to. To fair, very good atmosphere there at South Shields. Yeah, definitely. There's like there was probably a similar sort of number there that day actually from you know at uh, um, South Shields when we played them. But it's quite you know it's huge ground. You can tell they're trying to go go to that higher level. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, you can tell they have got uh, good facilities um, at South Shields. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a good away day. I'd love to play there again. In obviously your your first spell at the Diamonds, you were you were only with us for kind of a few months, and then I think you went to university. So. You, uh, you naturally kind of moved on to a different club. Did you know it was always going to be short term when you joined, or did you think I'll I'll, I'll join here and you know see how it goes with the travel into university? Um, I wasn't actually sure that I was going to go to university at the time. So when I joined, I was originally just going to sort of play non-league and apply my trade um, as a like in a warehouse or as a labourer. And I remember getting my CSS card or whatever I think it was, and I did a few months in the summer like labouring and um, working in the warehouse, and I just thought. Like, it's not, nothing against it. I just thought it's not sort of for me. Like, I'd rather do something else and try, like, I've always, I'm, my passion is sports and my passion is football. So I've thought, my, I want to get into, like, the sports marketing and sports commercial side of a football club. So I thought, you know what, let me try go to university, uh, get a degree in sports management and do it that way. So obviously, once I'd realised I was going to go to university, I was still at Diamonds at the time and I thought to myself, let me try it. So I did try it for, for about a month or so, but, Travelling from Nottingham to Northampton on a Tuesday, Thursday night training, and then on a Saturday it was two and a half hours there and back, and it was sort of killing me for petrol. So I thought I sort of spoke to Pizzi and I said to him like, "Obviously, I can't do this at the moment full time. I maybe try it." So we tried one. Week, I tried going down to one one day a week, but even the two and a half hours on one one day a week was was still a lot. So and as a student, you're not earning a lot of money. So um, yeah, had to go elsewhere. Fernando, which uh, uni did you go to again? I uh, went to Nottingham Trent. All right, and th- those skills that you picked up at uni, do do you use them away from football, or are they perhaps for after your playing career? I know that's a bit of a while away yet. So, what do you mean what, when you say skills, as in life skills, or like? Um... Yeah, as in so 
what you sort of learn on your course at uni? Are, yeah. were they, are they sort of skills that perhaps you want to use for now or perhaps after your playing career? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously I still have aspirations of trying to make it into a professional game, but I'm not, um, I'm not so narrow-minded. I, I do realise that it's still very hard to get into the football game, so I need to sort of think of a plan B. And um, my parents have always sort of drilled that into me, that education is so important. So, obviously, I went to university and I would like to get into, like um, like I said, like a sports marketing role or commercial role within a football club. Um, I mean, I've done a few placements back at Cambridge United, like where I've w worked with their commercial department there and seen how that's going. Obviously, I was going to do a thing at MK Dons as well, but obviously COVID sort of ruined that for me a little bit. But, yeah... I I still want to, I, that's not something I want to do now alongside football. And of course, if football happens, then it happens. But you've got to have a plan B there. Just touching on that, when you're at university, I'm assuming obviously that's why you ended up getting picked up by Baseford. How did that come about? And um, how, how was it being part of that sort of like um, winning season when they got promotions? Yeah, so um, I was obviously at university and uh, I tried for the uh, men's football team and ended up making it there to, to the first team. And the first team manager sort of said to me, like, look, um, I saw, I remember speaking to him. I said, look, um, the name was Tom Shaw. He's um, two-faced, played about in non-leagues, played Chester. I think he played for Russian and Diamonds one time. He said he had quite a few connections at the yeah. club. Um, so I spoke to Tom Shaw. Well, we called him Shawry. Um, I was like, Shawry, do you have like, any connections around Nottingham area for me? Um, and to be fair, he's, I must say, he's one of the best managers I've played under, man management-wise and tactically for university, I know it's only university football, but a lot of lads that who get released from academies actually end up playing or going to university to play there. But he sort of um, got me in contact with the manager at Baseford, uh, Martin Crothers. Sort of dropped yeah. him a message like I did with Pizzi and just said, "Look, I'd love to come show you what I'm what I'm made of." And I think I impressed him enough in training, and they sort of picked me up from there. And yeah, my journey at Baseford was very successful. I'd like to say my my two and a half year stint there um, got promotion, won Young Player of the Year, scored. I think it was nine nine league goals in my first year there. And then obviously in my second year, um, unfortunately, I got injured. I picked up an MCL injury. I was out for about, supposed to be six weeks, but I tried to rush it back and ended up being about 10 weeks. And my second season was so successful. And obviously when we got promoted, they started basically a lot of money at the time. So they ended up bringing in a lot of players with a lot of experience on the Conference North, Conference South. And sort of I got sort of pushed aside. So I made, um, sort of played, played, applied my trade elsewhere. I think, didn't you also, didn't they get you on contract as well at some point? Was that just part of their sort of like long-term thing until they... Yeah, until so, yeah. They, um, I think at that time, I think I'd, I think I'd managed that six goals and six assists in 15 games and I was I was flying at the moment. I was, well, at the time I was flying, we were flying on like 20, 20 match on beat and run. Obviously, I've become a vital member of the team. I didn't actually think I was going to play because they were top of the league anyway, but come in and one of the midfielders, Matt Fornil at the time, got injured and I think, I mean, like Rashford with United, I wouldn't, I don't want to compare myself to Rashford, but when Rashford got injured for United, he obviously got his chance and I think I got my chance at Baseford when Matt Fornil got injured, the captain, and then another lad um, got injured as well and I managed to get some minutes there and ever since then went flying there and put me on a contract and yeah, I just went from there, I guess. Were you under a lot of pressure to perform there? Because that's a club that they're, I mean, they're talking about trying to get into the football league, aren't they? But they're going to have to improve their their fan base and their facilities, I think, to to, to achieve that. But what was the expectation there that you got promoted? Yeah, I mean, um, 
I would say definitely is definitely the most demanding club. Up. Like I would even go and say it's more demanding. I felt more pressure playing for Baseford than I did when I was at Cambridge trying to get a pro contract. Um, just because the 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 chairman Chris Munro, um, he's very he's a very ambitious person. So like obviously I'm not going to fault him because if he wants to, I think he had the, I think he came out and said a quote last year. I think it was they want to make it to the football league within five years and fair play to him because he's putting a lot of money into the club. It's interesting because um, just talking about Baseford, um, we actually have, there are club, funny enough, over the years, we've ended up encountering quite a lot um, on the football yeah. pitch in terms of football ties. We actually, in our first season when we reformed, when we were in UCL Division 1 to so Step 6, and they were in Step 6 at the time, um, we ended up drawing each other in the FA Trophy, in the FA Vars. Yeah. We ended up winning 5-3 and that actually set up the tie away at Ashington. And then we played each other in the trophy when we both got promoted to Step 4. And obviously yeah. they ended up in the same league at one point. And it looks like every time we get promoted, Baseford get promoted. So it's sort of like a weird pattern. So it well, feels like... Hopefully, feels like, hopefully they're pushing next year and so are we then. Yeah, probably, that's probably what's going to happen. It seems like, um, I don't know, we remember fine. Well, if we ever we get promoted to step two, they'll get promoted to step two at some point. Um, I, would, I wouldn't mind that. But I know Tom, as in Tom Lorraine, um, prefers um, grass to um, artificial, but Baseford have got an artificial, a 3G pitch. How do, you, how do you find playing on that week in, week out? I must say, I do prefer playing on grass just because um, it's less stress on the on the muscles and the bones, I, I guess. Um, but I must admit, the it, like you get 3G, 4G, but that 4G was, the some I'd say, the best 4G you can get. So, I mean, that does help. But, I mean, I, I think I do prefer playing on grass, but I didn't mind it, uh, playing on the Astro, because... The way that base would want to play, very um, pass and move football, where everything's slick on the ground, it definitely helped the style of play in terms of that aspect. Fernando, you obviously went on to play for the likes of Grantham and uh, Ilkeston to complete your Northern Premier League cycle, if you like. Yeah. What did you learn from from those experiences? Because I suppose playing in different leagues, I suppose there's different styles and everything else you've got to get used to. Yeah. No. Um... I would definitely say the Northern League is um, much different to the Southern League. I, w- I would definitely say that. I mean, I remember going um, to university and a lot of the lads, the older lads, like the second, third year lads being like, yeah, have you just, where have you come from? Like, where are you from? And like, yeah, from, from Milton Keynes. I've, I played for Russian Diamond for a brief stint at St. Neitz for a brief stint as well. And they were like, yeah, Southern Leagues are nowhere near compared to Northern Leagues. Be ready, be ready. I was like, oh, a bit, getting a bit nervous, like trying to play for the Northern Everyone's hyping up the Northern Leagues and you sort of get then. I don't know what the difference is. I'd probably say Southern League, surprisingly enough, I'd probably say you play more football in the Southern League. The Northern League, a lot of the lads are, are proper Northern lads. Do you know what I mean? Like They're like big brutes. A lot of them are very tall, strong, a lot more direct in the Northern Leagues. And I would say, in terms of the physicality aspect, I'd definitely say Northern League is much more difficult. But the Southern League is, I'd say, probably technically better league than the Northern League. But Northern League, the, the physicality of it is much, much tougher.
And was that something that you relished, you know, being in your midfield position? I mean, as a as a young seventeen year eighteen year old boy, like a, a skinny, a, a skinny now, skinny then, um, it definitely manned me up. I would say, like, it turned me into more of a man. I would say, I, I definitely learned to play the way. I remember coming to Rushton and just come out of Cambridge, and the way you play in academy is pass out from the back. Everything has to go through midfield. Everything to feet, move, pass and move, pass and move, and then you go to Rushton and sort of more like a bit more direct, but you still play a bit of football. But then you go to the Northern League, and everything is very much channels, hooks second balls and I definitely think that's definitely helped me in the long run um, if I'm thinking about it because it made me learn and appreciate to play a different style of football so that I would like to think that I can mix it up by playing football but if we do need to go for the second balls, do need to hooks, channels I feel like I've learned to do that um, over the course of my stint in the Northern Leagues. Andy Peaks was delighted when you re-signed for the club last summer and he mentioned that you were his first call when you finished at uni was it always in the plan to return to Diamonds at some point in the future? Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I mentioned before, I mean, I remember coming Hanley, Hanley Town, first game of the season, seeing 600 fans. And then obviously you play, you play the more non-league games you play, you realise 600 fans at Step 4 Club at the time was it's just incredible. Like most, most clubs are getting 100 to 200 fans, maybe 300 if you're lucky. And I just remember thinking, like, I just need to... I felt like I had a lot of unfinished business and I did have a few offers from a few other clubs, but I just thought Russians just... I felt like home. My mum loved the club. My, my dad loved the club. Obviously, I got along with Pete well. I still know a lot of the players and the, the support and the fan base is just incredible. So I thought I just have a lot of unfinished business to, to attend to. Just on that, really, I think um, you've come into quite... I mean, when you probably left us, it was quite an experienced side. So, I mean, in terms of sort of an older age bracket in terms of the players but now we've gone we've built tried to build the squad around a, a far a younger base probably more around your own age how have you found that you know transitioning into that um, yeah no, um i mean i remember leaving at the time i think there was like joe curtis like at the time i was 23 24 and then you had like uh, i think it was richard bunting um and a few other like tom lorraine and chris dillon and nabil sharif and a lot of older players, like you said, and obviously I'm coming into the squad now with a lot of younger players like Jesse, Mike, uh, Slinny, myself, um, a, lot of, a lot of other lads my age, um, uh, Paddy. And I think obviously it has its pros and its cons. Like with, with, when, with the older players, you get more of the experience, like the know-how of how to play the game. Um, and with the younger players, you might, they might make more mistakes, but obviously we, we're hungry, we've got a lot of energy to give and we're going to learn as we go along which I think is which is good but and I, I feel like we have a good blend now um, we still have a lot of experience in the team with Bully Jacko uh, Shanks still have a lot of experience in the team which is good so I think it's a, it's a good mixture I asked uh, Tom this he was on one of the, the recent podcasts are there any particular players that have stood out for you that you've played alongside at the Diamonds? Oh there's quite a few are you going to are we talking about the first spell or second spell or either I guess I mean, bully, bully's a class act. To be fair, I remember, I remember joining and I'm thinking like, oh wow, this he's like bully. I, don't, I, I was thinking to myself, this guy can't like, he can't be that good. Like, surely not. But like, you sort of look at him and he doesn't look like a footballer's build. You know what I mean? But then you play alongside him and you train with him and you and you, you train with him week in week out and you play with him week in week out and you just think to yourself that this this geezer's incredible and he's honestly. Not not only is a great defender, but technically he's, he's gifted as well. So yeah, I'll probably say bullies as a player that stands out for me. 
it's definitely underestimated by opposition fans until they see him start playing, and then when you realise you see him play, you realise what a class yeah, that bullet 100%. is. Yeah, hundred percent. You can't you can't judge a book by its cover. I've learned that with Willie. Fernando, a lot of midfielders have a specific trait, whether it's their creativity in the final third or perhaps their defensive attributes. But I think the reason why, or one of the reasons why you're quite a popular player at the club is that you can do it at both ends. You know, you get stuck in, you cover a lot of ground. Has that always been your style of midfielder? I know you touched on how your development went in the Northern Premier League, um, but has that always been your style or were there any, say, specific coaches that helped you become that player? Um, I'd probably say my role sort of changed as I... Um, I remember coming to Russian and I remember Lamy at the time was the assistant manager and um, I think... Who do we play? I think we played... Um, I can't remember... Is it Tame? Is it Tame? I think it is. Is that yeah? Tame, Tame United. Tame, Tame United, step four. And I remember coming on as a sub, and I remember doing like a chop and not making someone in the middle of the midfield. And after the game, he sort of goes to me like, "I mean, it looks good on the eye, but don't don't do that again," sort of thing. And I mean, I remember thinking, I, I mean, I've I've done a chop and I've made him like it's come off. Like, why is he complaining, sort of thing? And I remember him telling me off, and me, I remember a young boy at the time thinking, "Oh wow, like the assistant manager's telling me off. I'm not gonna do that again." But I think I've learned over the years, especially going over to Northern League and after playing the non-league, that non-league is very much a game of areas, um, second balls, and I think I feel like I've developed more into that sort of player over the years. Do you see yourself long term as a like a box to box player, or do you see yourself going to like a deep, you know, a playmaker position, or is it really at the moment your sort of your your game is still sort of evolving at this point? So you're probably more. I won't say. Um, you can play multiple positions probably at the moment, if that makes yeah. sense, rather than anything you particularly specialise in at the moment. Yeah, I'd probably say um, box to box, I'd say. I think just because of the energy that I feel like I bring to the team, um, I feel like I'm very good at getting around the pitch, picking up second balls. Um, I feel like that's one of my one of my traits. And I know you'd, th you'd think oh, what energy in second balls, that like anyone can do that. Um, but I feel like sometimes it can, it's easier said than done. I remember thinking when my managers are telling me at Baseford or at uni or at Rushton, like, everything's about area, second balls. Knowing where to be and when to be is a lot harder than a lot of people think. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like a box-to-box -box is what I am. Get up and down the pitch and sort of try to do a bit defensively and a bit offensively. And I feel like uh, I need to get a bit more goals for Rushton. You touched under Paul Lamb. Have you found obviously we've come back with a come back and we've got a different um assistant under with Neil Champlover. Have you found um working under him? Yeah, Champs is uh, very similar to Lamia in, in the aspect that they both just love football. They everything they, I feel like they just live, breathe, sleep football. Champs and Lamy both both alike. Champs is 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 a class act to he's, he's a very good coach. Um and obviously you get. I feel like he. I feel like he can get. He can get the best out of me in particular because he played midfield when he was. Um, I think it was in in the Northampton days and non-league days. He played midfield, and yeah. I feel like hopefully in the long run, uh, the more I, the more games I play, the more time I spend on the champs, he can help me develop into a better player. So hopefully we can see we can see where that goes, and he wants me to get a few more goals, um, which I want to, which I put the pressure on myself, which I agree with. I feel like. Coming from base where I was getting ten goals in one season, where I went to Ilkeston and I got a couple goals there. I'm yet to score for Russian on my second spell, um, which I need to do. But chance is putting that pressure on me. I'm putting that pressure on myself, and hopefully, he can get the best out of me. 
it's obviously been a while now since you've seen any of your teammates. Is, is Pixie keeping in touch with you? Do, as teammates, do you all keep in touch with one another? Yeah, we, I mean, we keep in touch. We have a group chat on WhatsApp that we keep in touch every now and then. Someone will send like a funny video or their videos or their pictures that go viral sort of thing and we'll do it, we'll do it that way. Um, the gaffers sent us a text actually this morning just let us, letting us know about the season. Um, obviously, it's been suspended uh, not suspended sorry null and void and he just sort of kept sort of updated in that aspect but it's, I mean it's, when you're not playing and not seeing each other you're not going to be contacting each other every day sort of thing but we we do we do keep in touch. Fernando how difficult has it been to train during this last lockdown in particular because I, I suppose the fact that there's no set end date to this all and or even before the the season was curtailed it, it must have been very difficult to train like not knowing that, you know, you might start again, you might not. You just don't know when, you don't, you don't know how much intensity to put into it, I suppose. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I feel like the first lockdown was a lot easier to um, motivate yourself because you, I mean, when what we told three weeks at the time, when we first went into lockdown, everyone was like, yeah, three weeks, a month, two months max and you'll be back. And well, look how that's turned out. Here we are a year later sort of thing. But Second lockdown has been. I feel like it's been a lot harder to motivate yourself because you don't know what's going on. Um, you know in your head the season is going to end, but you don't want to tell yourself it's going to end. So uh, the motivation is just not there. I feel like it because the first lockdown was in summer. Um, you can go out, have a have a run, and play football, and it's still six o'clock at six o'clock at night. But set this this lockdown here is winter, cold, minus three degrees, like it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's been a lot harder to motivate myself to train. So in that aspect, I'm finding it quite difficult. What do you hope to achieve in your footballing career? I believe you're still only 22, or you are 22, am I right? Yeah, I've literally <laughs> turned 22 last week, to be fair. Oh, happy um, birthday. Um, two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's plenty of time on your side, and there's no doubt your best years are ahead of you. What do you hope to achieve in that time? Um, I mean, the, the overarching goal is to hopefully become a professional footballer. I mean, that's what I've always wanted to do since since the age of five since my dad got me into football but as you grow older I think you sort of realise it's not impossible but it's, 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 it's less likely and you have to think of plan B's like I said which is why I went to university this and that but uh, if I'm being realistic um, my what I'd hope to achieve I've, well I said to myself two years ago I want to be playing um, Conference North South by the age of 23 but obviously two seasons of no football with Covid has um, sort of hindered that hasn't it so I guess I have to re-evaluate my goals and my aims and um, I would like to be playing as hard the, I guess the, um, for me the, the aim really is the the National League I guess I think I feel like I, I can I can play at that level um, I feel like hopefully with Rushton in the Conference South if we if we do well within the next year or two and just do as well as I can I guess and um, maybe England C team if, I think there was England C that had like a little non-league England team there. Hopefully, if I do well enough, maybe over the next coming years, I can play for them or make a few appearances or whatever. Um, and then just try to push myself towards 10 to 15 goals and 10 to 15 assists. And I mean, when you're getting goals and assists at 22, 23, 24 years old, you're, you always have a chance of getting picked up, I guess. What do you do as a, a job at the moment? So I'm currently working for, for a bank. I'm just sort of like responding to... Um, calls, emails, SMSs um, on chats with any problems that people might have with their credit cards. Okay. Um, and then obviously it was alongside playing football, but obviously that's been cut short. 
Sure, no question. Is that something you can see yourself doing um, long term at the moment if the football doesn't necessarily take off or are there any sort of other plans you've got, especially after football? Yeah, no. Um, so it's not something I see myself doing long term, but I mean, beggars can't be choosers at the moment. Like a lot of people are struggling for jobs. So, and uh, obviously it's, it's some sort of income. So that's what I'm sort of doing at the moment. Uh, like I said, like I would like to, my ideal ones become a professional footballer. If not, my next dream would be to be a commercial manager at a professional football club alongside playing semi-pro at like Conference South North level or even this level that we're at now, which is still a very good level. Um, so that's something um, I'd like to For sure. Well, Fernando, it's been great hearing about your stories and your career so far. Just one last thing before we wrap things up. Have you got a message for the Diamond supporters who are looking forward to seeing you and the team once again? Yeah, I feel like next year will be a lot stronger. Um, obviously, everyone, the young lads, a lot of the young lads... Uh, we'll have more experience on our side and we've gelled together. I feel like there's, there was a lot of new players that came in in pre-season and we struggled to gel at the beginning of the season or during the season. Um, but I feel like once we get back, hopefully we'll hit the ground running. And I, to be honest, I just can't wait to get back. And I'm sure you guys are the same. I just want to be playing in front of in front of all you guys and back at Hayden Road and back seeing the lads and a bit of banter and a few drinks after the game. That's that's what I, That's what I live for. So, yeah, can't wait. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for coming on and I'm sure we'll see you back at Hayden Road when the time allows. Hopefully so. See you See you guys soon. So that was our chat with Fernando Beltoxtel. Really enjoyable chat, that one. Really open, honest guy. It was great to hear his stories. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Russian and Ranting podcast. Be sure to leave us a follow on our socials. Um, you can find us at Russian and Ranting on Twitter. And you can also find us on Instagram at Russian and Ranting podcast. For now, make sure you're keeping safe, keeping well, and I hope we'll see you all on that next episode. Take care, everybody.